Happy to be with you today, here today, um, and I do not mind being associated with the B team. I'm, I've been on the B team all my life. Um, so anyway, before, uh, before we begin, I always like to start with prayer, so would you pray with me? Father, I thank you for another opportunity to stand here. I know that you are here with us now, and I pray that you will continue to move in this room this morning and remove any thoughts from our minds of the world outside any distractions that we might have that would cause us not to focus on you right now, I just pray that uh, we will give you complete and total attention and that as I speak, the Holy Spirit would speak through me. And I pray that you make my words your words. And I pray that this in your son's name, amen. Uh, again, like I said, I'm happy to be here. Um, always uh, thankful for uh, Kerry giving me the opportunities to fill the pulpit and asking me if I would do, do so this morning while he's traveling. Um, I heard from him. He'd sent me texts uh, all throughout the week and encouraging me and, and asking me how sermon was coming along. And um, he sent me a text one afternoon and said it was 32 in Nebraska right now. And uh, they were expecting snow Monday and they're coming home Tuesday. So um, just pray, think about him and uh, Patty as they uh, travel back home and pray they get home safe. Um, you know, as I get opportunities to speak, I'm constantly thinking about uh, what God wants me to talk about the next chance I get, and that's not always easy. Um, the study and creation of a sermon is hard enough, but the real challenge is truly delivering the message God wants and not what Jason wants. So, um, and I think that's true of, of anyone or any service that we give to church for um, any time we serve God, because Satan is always there in the background trying to get you to, to put yourself first. And I know it's imperative that we, uh, we do for God, what we do for God comes from God and God alone because without Him involved, it will fail. So that's a long-winded way of saying that I've been struggling with what to preach on this morning. So I've wrestled a lot with uh, that over the topics I was thinking about, and, and it came down to trials or worship. Um, and as you can tell, the title of the sermon, Trials Went Out, um, the title of the sermon is Enduring Through Trials. And the verses we'll start with are in James chapter 1, uh, verses 2 through 4. Um, I had sent Pam the, the verses that I was going to use, and um, I told her 12 through 15, but I ended up not using them because I had enough out of 2 through 4. So, um, But you're welcome to go back and read those verses. There's There's plenty in there about enduring trials. But um, anyway, um, so in, enduring trials is something um, I've struggled with and thought about a lot lately. And it's something um, I'm trying to relearn or reprogram myself to think about because trials affects, affects all of us, affects me, it affects all of us. Um, our church is, is very blessed we have a great fellowship. Um, I'd say everyone gets along very well, but I think we've been hit hard in the last uh, several years through trials like death, illness, and other difficult circumstances. And um, that we've each all had to endure. But uh, when you're in a fellowship with other people and they hurt, you hurt, or at least we should. Um, one thing is certain in life, 
If you live longer than five minutes, you're going to experience trials and difficulties. But we do, but why do we have to experience these trials and difficulties? I believe we live in a fallen world, and because, because of that, we have to live a life relying on God to help and guide us through it. And we have to experience trials to learn to trust God. God gives us freedom to love and trust Him. And because we have freedom, we are not robots that God controls. God doesn't use a remote to guide us to do good over evil or steer us away from danger, disease, or death. We have to experience trials in order to fully understand and choose God over everything else. That doesn't mean we always understand what the trial was for or why we had to go through it. But in the end, what we ultimately learn is to trust God. So what I want to do this morning is look at several different scriptures for guidance on how to handle trials and also maybe some different ways to think about them. What I think God does not want me to do is to preach a convicting type of sermon, if that makes sense. Um, I just want us to think about what God's Word says, and hopefully that will help you think about past trials you've been through and help you as you go through trials in the future, or now in the future. When a Christian is going through uh, difficult circumstances and we want answers, we sometimes seek advice, we remember past experiences, um, and we look to God's Word for answers. But when we look in the Word and read a passage like James chapter 1, verse 2, that says, Consider it great joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various trials. It can be a challenge to understand, understand that, and some people may dismiss it. But I think we need to truly understand what it says and means before dismissing it. We'll read the rest of the scripture in a minute, but before, I, before that, I think it's also, or I also need to point out that trials aren't always big things like death or illness. They can be any circumstance in your life that you struggle with. Also, I want to point out that, that a trial is not the same as temptation. God may allow us to go through a trial, but God does not tempt us to sin during that trial. That is Satan. Satan is an opportunist that loves to catch us at our weakest, which can definitely be during a trial. But trials can also be opportunities for us to exercise our faith and demonstrate our faith to others. Trials can sometimes make us question God, cause us to give up and distance ourselves from God, or we can be tempted during a trial to sin. So we need to understand how to respond before trials come. So let's look at what James says about trials. And if you haven't already, would you turn with me to James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. And, or you can read it on the screen. I think it will be on the screen. Um, it says uh, in James chapter 1, verse 2, Consider it great joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various trials, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its full effect so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. Nothing. 
Here the first thing James says is, Consider it great joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various trials. Like I was saying before, um, if you're going through something very difficult and you read that, at first glance it can sound hard to swallow. But let's look at it a little deeper. First, James doesn't use words like you should or you must. This isn't a command for anyone to endure a trial. He says consider, which the definition of consider means to think carefully about something, typically before making a decision, or to think about and be drawn toward a course of action. So I would think about saying it like this. Think carefully about, sorry, <clears throat> think carefully about and be drawn to pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various trials. Well, how do you think about or draw near pure joy when you're experiencing a trial? Because trials are called trials for a reason, they're not easy. Especially huge, heavy trials like death of a loved one or illness, or maybe it's some lighter trial like a financial burden, or maybe something you really, really want didn't happen, like that job you wanted, that relationship didn't work out, or your favorite college team didn't win a a, a football game. I don't mean to make light of other trials, but you get my point. Um, How do you experience joy in the midst of those things? Well, we have to know what that joy in James is talk what that joy is in James is talking about. A few weeks ago, Carrie asked me to to preach on a Sunday evening, and the title of my sermon was Why Joy? And we were looking at the birth of Jesus. And in that sermon I spoke about the difference between happiness and joy, and I said, Happiness is conditional, but joy is not. Joy is forever. The joy of the Christian, the pure joy, the only joy that covers us when we are experiencing a trial is that Jesus is our Lord and Savior. And because he came to earth, lived a sinless life, sacrificed himself on the cross, and rose again, we are at one with the Father, the ruler of the universe. We are forgiven of our sins, and we will never be separated from our Heavenly Father. If you are a Christian and you experience a trial, you need to remember that no matter how hard it seems, James says to consider that joy, the truth of our relationship with the Father and our our salvation through Jesus Christ. No matter what this life on earth throws at us, nothing can ever take that away. And that should bring joy even in the midst of the worst circumstances. This life is temporary, but that truth, that joy is eternal. Um, Earlier this week, I was uh, scrolling through Instagram, which I probably do too much of, but um, I heard a video on Instagram and it was posted by K-Love. Um, if you don't know what K- who K-Love is, it's a Christian radio station. And um, the video was of a K-Love listener, which kind of struck me as odd. 
I've, um, I've seen Caleb post videos before, and it's usually of one of their DJs talking about something, or maybe they interviewed a Christian artist. But this was a, a listener. Um, and it was a woman, and she explained that she had become a Christian later in life when she was 30. And I guess uh, she had a child late in life, and she named her son Christian. She didn't say how old she was now, and she didn't say how old her son was, but she said that her son died three years ago, and she didn't say why. But she said she became very angry with God because she just assumed God was going to save him. She spoke about having a hard time being in church and worshiping, and then she heard a song on Caleb that really spoke to her in her anger and grief. And also, also, she read a book by a Christian author, and she quoted a line from that book that really stuck with me. And it went something like this: "We often hear about near, <clears throat> we often hear about near-death experiences, but what this life here is on Earth is a near-life experience." Let me repeat that again because I kind of muffed through that. Um, We often hear about near-death experiences, but what this life on earth is, is a near-life experience. The world without God has conditioned us to think about death as the end of our life, but our life here on earth is a speck of dust in eternity, and we are just learning what life is like while we're here. So again, the joy we have is knowing that this life is temporary and that we are God's children and nothing can separate us from him. Every, everything we go through in this short life on earth is temporary and knowing just that is enough. But in James, there's more. In James verse 3, it says, Because you know the testing of your faith produces endurance. James says, because you know, but what? because we know what? When we experience trials and we go through them, many times we understand why on the other side of the trial. That's not always the case, but I can tell you from my own life, most of the time I've seen God's hand at work in my life only after the trial is over. And it's hard, but it's hard to see the purpose of the trial in the middle of it. We have to see it on the other side. When we go... When we go through a trial and we see the reasons why we endured that trial, we can use that testing of our faith to make it easier to endure the next trial. And when James says, because we know, it's because we remember the previous trials and we know God has been with us through trials before and he will be again. Some of the greatest trials in my life have shown me God's hand at work in my life the most. But that's not always the case. Some trials are easy to see why you endure them and some are not. Testing our faith refines our faith and can refine our life and those around us. But sometimes trials can be used for nothing else but to remove remove impurities from from your faith and can bring clarity or refinement. When James was talking about testing, here he can think, you can think about it as like a refining gold. 
what you, when you heat gold to the point that it's molten, you burn out the impurities. And the gold becomes a finer grade of gold. And it's the same with our faith. When we test our faith, if there are impurities in our faith, they can be burned out or they will fail. Our faith is dependent on, the people, on people rather than God. People can fail us, not all people, but those that we put the wrong faith in will fail us. If we have faith in money or power, they will fail. If we have faith in our own strength, it can fail. Sometimes trials can refine us and remove a single thing from our lives, or some trials can be so intense they can refine everything in our life until you're, all you're left with is faith and reliance in God. Many years ago, um, I got really sick to the point that I couldn't eat anything and I had absolutely no energy to do anything. Um, it was right around the time Missy and I had our 10th anniversary and um, we were had planned to go on a cruise. Um, and also, at this time, if you can believe it, I was, I was in really good shape. Um, I was running, jogging, um, and I'd actually, I don't know if you ever heard about it, but some runners call, they have a, something called a runner's high, where you actually feel better at the end of a run than you did before you started running. And I was, I had run, I started running and I was doing so well at it that I actually felt like that. And a few days before we were supposed to leave, leave on our cruise, um, I remember going for a run, and I felt awful. I was like, this is not, something's wrong. But I just passed it off as maybe I was getting a little cold or something. Uh, but we left, left on the cruise, and um, I remember we were pulling out of the port, and we were standing on the deck of the boat as we were pulling out, and I was freezing I don't even think I told Missy this, but I was freezing, and I'm never cold. She's always the one freezing. Um, but I, you know, I just didn't think of anything about it. But as the cruise went on, I just felt worse and worse. Um, you know, and, and people go on cruises most of the time for three reasons. They want to drink, they want to eat, and they want to do all the destinations, the beach. and the... I couldn't do any of that. I stayed in the cabin most of the time. Missy went out usually and ate by herself. Uh, it was awful. And I, to this day, I don't want to go back on a cruise because of that experience. And I know it wasn't the cruise, but I just, it was awful. So we, we got back from the cruise, and um, I was, we were driving back, and I was just telling Missy, I've got to go to the doctor. Something is wrong with me because, you know, it's not just a normal cold. Um, I didn't eat anything, and um, we would, like, I would go to sleep at night, and I would wake up in the middle of the night, and it looked like somebody had poured a bucket of water on me. I was sweat, just drenched in sweat. So we get back from the cruise, and I go to uh, go see my doctor, and they start running some tests, and he's like, well, you got a virus or something. Um, time went on, and just, just felt worse and worse. I couldn't eat anything. Uh, he sent me to a specialist in Thomasville. They start running tests, and they notice that my liver enzyme count is low um, and just wasn't getting any better um, they eventually I can't remember the exact order of events but I ended up in the hospital at Archibald for a week they were running tests there um, I ended up um, 
going down to, uh, I was just constantly losing weight, had no energy. And this was uh, when Will was a baby. I mean, he was like this tall, if you can think. think I can't even imagine that. But he was like this big. Um, and I couldn't, couldn't lift him. I couldn't help Missy with him or Haley um, before Dylan was born. Um, and so the specialist in, in Thomasville sent me, wanted me to go to Shands in Gainesville to run some experimental tests. Um, and through this time, I lost about 25 to 30 pounds. Um, me and Missy went down to Shands, and I remember we were sitting there with the doctor, and he's got all these pamphlets out of these experimental tests that they're going to run. And I think they took about half the blood out of my body to run the test. Um, and he's going through the pamphlets, and he's saying, well, the good news is if, you, if we find out what's going on with you, we'll at least know what's wrong. Uh, but the bad news is most of these don't have a cure. <laughs> it's like, okay, can you remind me what the good news was again? Um, so anyway, we, we run the test, and uh, we're on the way back home. We come back home, um, and all the tests they sent off uh, came back negative, which was, I guess, good, but still didn't know what was wrong with me. Um, still sick, losing weight. Um, I couldn't work. I had no energy. I mean, I could barely, like, just getting up out of my chair and walking across my living room was a chore. Um, and when you're, when you're going through like something like that, um, I just thought I'm, at this point, I'm going to die. They, they don't know what's wrong with me. I don't have no energy. Um, uh, at, at that point, I was, before I got sick, I was probably around 190. I'd gotten down to like 170, I guess, 165, which is, at my size, is skin and bones. Um, I just, I felt like I was going to die. I don't think I ever told Missy that, but at, I'd come to that point. Um, and like I said, I couldn't work. And I remember sitting at home one day, I was sitting in my chair, and I watched the thousandth episode of Cops. I could barely stand anymore. Um, and I just remember thinking to God that there's nothing else I can do. I'm going to die. And being, the, being a kid that grew up without his father, um, watching my mom being raised, uh, being raised by a single mom, watching her without her husband and without my my father, and being a child without a father, that scared me to death. Um, and I, uh, like I said, I was sitting in my chair, and I, all I could do was kind of slide out of my chair, and I just got down on the floor, and I just said, "God, I'm I'm done. There's nothing else I can do." You're in control. And I don't know why or how, but for whatever reason, I think just giving up and saying, I'm completely reliant on you, God, was the turning point. Um, I was going to my... After the test from Sheehan's came back negative, um, about the, all the, the only thing they could do was monitor my liver enzyme levels. And um, I was going to the local do- my local doctor's office then maybe once a week taking blood tests because they were constantly monitoring my levels. 
And about a week after that, they started picking up. Um, I started feeling better. And um, I just started turning a corner. Um, and I didn't, do, you know, I didn't do anything special. I'm not special. I just believe for some reason God had me go through that trial for a reason. And maybe it was giving up on my fear of dying and leaving my family and fully relying on him. And I only tell you about that to say that I believe different trials produce different levels of refining. And the greater the trial, the more refining. Sometimes there's no climatic end to a trial. Sometimes we just have to endure it. And that's what wins the trial is the enduring. And then verse 3 says, The testing of your faith produces endurance. Endurance comes through continuous testing or refinement. I believe God allows us to go through trials to produce endurance, but also God has faith in us to endure it. And that's something I'm trying to focus on more. Earlier I said I'm trying to relearn or refocus, or reprogram my thinking on trials. And that's helping me to know God has faith in us. What I mean to say is that knowing God has faith in us to endure trials is an honor, I think, and not a prideful honor or anything like that. Just knowing that God has faith in you is, is helpful. Um, I want to look at Job chapter 1, verses 6 through 8. In, uh, in verse 6, it says, One day the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them. The Lord asked Satan, where have you come from? From roaming through the earth, Satan answered him, and walking around it. Then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? No one else on earth is like him. A man of perfect integrity who fears God and turns away from evil. Now here it says that the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord and Satan also came with them. The sons of God were, fallen, were unfallen angels, but Satan, for some reason, still had access to heaven. And then it says, The Lord asked Satan, Where have you come from? From roaming through the earth, Satan answered him, and walking around it. Some people might look at that verse and say, Well, Satan's just walking around minding his own business. But nothing can be further from the truth. I was studying this verse, and in those days, a person roaming and walking freely around was a symbolic was symbolic it meant they had ownership in that of that place and dominion over it <clears throat> satan was challenging god and there to attack <coughs> excuse me attack job uh, job's motives and ultimately man's motives for following and seeking god god said have you considered my servant Job, no one else on earth is like him, a man of perfect integrity, who fears God and turns away from evil. Excuse me. Satan responded to God and said in, in verses 9 through 11, Satan answered the Lord, Does Job fear God for nothing? Haven't you placed a hedge around him, his household and everything he owns? 
Have you, you have blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land. <clears throat> but stretch out your hand and strike everything he owns and he will surely curse you to your face. <coughs> Excuse me. God had faith in Job that he would not turn away from him. And it, if you read the rest of the story of Job, you'll see ultimately... Job did not turn away from God, but he continued to rely on him. And also, um, we read in Paul, or we read in 2 Timothy, Paul tells Timothy how so many had deserted him. But in in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 through 8, he says, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time for my departure is close. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. There is reserved for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day. And not only to me, but to all those who, is, who have loved his appearing. Paul didn't say, I won first place in the race. He said he finished the race. When I read that, I get the image of a marathon runner barely staggering over the finish line. It doesn't matter what place we come in, but we finish the race. And that's what matters. God is not keeping up with what place we finish. He only cares that we finish. And that's the thing I'm trying to focus on more, is that he has faith in us to finish. But even if we stumble and fall, we still have the opportunity to finish. I wish I could say I've always faced every trial and pleased God with my response. Sometimes I have not. And maybe you haven't either. But as you long, but as long as you're we're breathing, we have a chance to finish. And what does finishing look like? For Job, it was simply continuing to place his faith in God, no matter the circumstances. For Paul, it was continuing to place his faith in God and Jesus Christ and sharing the gospel no matter the circumstances. And for us, it may be just enduring the trial and not doubting God when the world and Satan tells us to, no matter their circumstances. It's remembering the joy of the Lord that we are his children and that Jesus died for our sins and that this life is temporary Our eternal destination is with the Father in heaven and that our salvation is secured forever. If you don't have this security of salvation, if you don't know this joy, there's no better time than right now. Don't face another trial without him. In the book of Romans, we find the most simple explanation of how to gain this joy. In Romans 3.23, it says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. No one is good enough, and we are all sinners and fall short of the glory of God. In Romans 6.23, it says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The punishment we all deserve is death, but God made a way for all of us, and and the gift or the joy we have is eternal life and eternal connection with God. And in Romans 10.9, it says, 
If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Salvation is by confessing faith in Jesus and believing in your heart that God raised him from the dead. And then in Romans 5, 1, it says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. This goes back to that joy I spoke about earlier. The Christian's joy is that you are eternally at one with the Father through the Son, Jesus Christ. Maybe you're already a Christian, but you've struggled with a trial, and you're stumbling at the end of the race. And you just need to turn it over to God. There's no better time than now. You don't have to run this race alone. God will help you through it. Lay it on the altar right now and turn it over to God. Um, our, we have deacons here that would, or others that would be glad to pray with you right now. And whatever, whatever it might be, don't leave it here today carrying that burden any further. Um, just a moment, I'll ask uh, Mr. Wesley to come and, and lead us in a hymn. But um, examine your heart right now. And if God is moving in you right now, don't deny him. Come and make it right today. And before Mr. Wesley uh, comes to lead in a hymn, let us pray. Father, when we, tra- when we face trials in life, whether big or small, you are our only hope in getting through them. Please help us to remember the eternal joy of belonging to you and that whatever the trials of life throws at us, that we are yours and nothing can take that away from us. If there's anyone here today that does not know Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior, I pray that you would move in their heart right now and not let them leave without taking care of that most important decision today. If there is someone here today struggling with a trial or difficult situation, I pray that you would move in their heart right now and would help them to know the true source of joy. I pray all these things in your son Jesus' name. Amen.